Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Today, a pretty significant piece of news broke. And before we get to that, as always, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Did you see what Joe Casita revealed today via Twitter? Boy, when you talk about people and revealing things via Twitter, that that's a dangerous line to walk. I haven't seen it, and I'm afraid to ask what it was that he revealed. After 22-plus decades, has it really been that long? The time has come for me to move on. As in, he's walking away from the House of Marvel, his home since 1998. I want to say his first big breakthrough assignment was the Marvel Knights comic series, which uh, he did with his frequent uh, collaborator, Jimmy Palamati. Right, so he's uh, probably a change of address, right? This isn't retirement. Is he moving somewhere else? Has he got a new home? Up until just recently, Joe was involved in the, the Marvel television efforts. He was the one who wrote her on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., likewise uh, did you know a lot of work on the Netflix series. However, when the Disney Plus got announced, Kevin Feige brought all of that stuff in-house, you know, to the effect of, because he envisioned a world where the limited series that were going to be on Disney Plus would serve as bridges between the various features that were being done for the MCU. So Joe lost a fairly significant sandbox to play in. And I bring that up because do you remember like a month ago when... Warner Brothers was talking about how they needed a Kevin Feige. Oh, yeah, baby. So he's the new head cheese over going to shake up the house of DC, huh? Nobody said that yet. Oh, come on now. You know know how to read a tea leaf or two. Read the damn tea leaf and tell me that's where he's going. I got to send him a congratulations card, don't I? That's a great move if, if that's actually what's happening, because they need that leader, that one vision to follow. Mm -hmm. And uh, B, they, I don't think they had, I mean, everyone, you know, is crying for more Snyderverse, but if, mm-hmm. if they truly are going to say we need to cancel this and move on with a fresh start, then mm-hmm. they can't go with someone who's already inside that house. They got to bring someone uh-huh. fresh and new in and uh, mm-hmm. someone from the camp of we've already done that right is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. So congratulations mm-hmm. to everybody involved if that's actually the case. A lot of folks I was talking with today, it's like, wait for that shoe to drop, because that'll be huge. And again, this is now Warner Brothers Discovery. And Discovery's actually over Warner Brothers in this instance, right? This is it exactly. So it's it's one of these things where it's like, okay, so who's going to empower him? Because if it's the folks at Discovery, Joe can actually get things done. If, on the other hand, he's walking in and answering to the, the folks who are already in place at Warner's, this could be tough because they all have their own little duchies. Right. And in fact, uh, the thing that's always made me crazy about Warner's is you look at the wonderful home premieres that they do mm-hmm. that are so respectful of the DC characters and 
the various comics that have been put out over the years, and they do a great job. And then, but then you look at what's going on on the, the feature film side of the street, and it's like, why don't you guys talk? It's like, because we don't want to talk to them. We want to make Joker, or you want to make the fifth iteration of Batman. Mm. I'm thrilled that this is where Joe is actually headed, but this is a tough situation. There's a, there's a certain culture over Warner's in regard to the DC properties. And if he's really going to take charge, he's got to step in there and push back hard against a lot of people who've been running their own little fiefdoms for years and years and years. As long as he's got someone that's got his back and he can just make calls based on what he thinks is best, uh, mm-hmm. I think he'll, he should have no problems. And especially if Warner mm-hmm. Brothers already know that they've already kind of screwed the pooch on this one and have not done so well on their own, mm-hmm. that if mm-hmm. you've got someone that's like, you're lucky you haven't been replaced, you should just mm-hmm. sit there and be quiet and nod politely for a while. Here's open. Well, anyway, you, you were just talking about dis- disrupting the filming of the, the third Top Gun film. The second Top Gun film actually did quite well this past weekend uh, over the Memorial Day weekend. Over the traditional weekend, it, it pulled in $126 million, uh, at the box office. If we add in the Monday of Memorial Day, we then bump up to, I want to say, uh, $153 million. And I saw one of the, the stranger box office stats I've ever seen, Aaron, uh, just this morning, where they were talking about how well Top Gun Maverick had done the Tuesday after Memorial Day, and they referred to it as the best non-Marvel Tuesday box office performance in the history of Hollywood, which kind of tells you how the MCU does, you know, when it walks a film out. On the other hand, Doctor Strange did okay. It brought in an additional $16 million at the domestic box office, which means that its worldwide box office total now sits at $879 million, expected to reach $900 million in global ticket sales this past week. We are entering, however, the danger zone in that the digital release of Multiverse of Madness is, is going to start on June 22nd, and that's really going to undermine what this uh, Sam Raimi film will do theatrically. And the Blu-ray, on the other hand, uh, will hit store shelves on July 26th. That's the one that I'm really intrigued on getting and watching, Aaron, because the film that is released to theaters is two hours and six minutes long. However, though, I guess Sam himself confirmed that the initial cut of the film was two hours and 40 minutes long. So there's... 34 minutes worth of material we haven't seen from Multiverse of Madness? From what I understand, they're still doing reshoots. <laughs> they realize there's a plot thread coming up in the future they haven't covered yet, and they called the whole cast back together, and they're like, you got to go shoot some more. We've got the shawarma scene. Yeah, yeah. Sam actually talked about how, in a lot of cases, these cuts were more about simplifying the film. For example, the wonderful battle between... Doctor Strange and the the sinister Doctor Strange with the the musical notes battle and I mean you you know being the sound mm. guy just absolutely loved that sequence from the movie the version that was shot initially and then went into effects work the idea was that they were battling each other with famous pieces of music and as an audience member you'd sit there and go oh. Beethoven's Fifth, or, oh, the Blue Danube, Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And Sam 
as they were finaling the scene, it's like, you're, you're really asking a lot of people at this point, two-thirds, you know, we're coming up on the final act of the movie. This part needs to be simplified, and it lets lose the conceit of famous pieces of music fighting each other and just, let's go with something simple. Let's go with Beethoven versus Bach. Dr. Strange uses one composer, and Sinister Dr. Strange uses the other composer. And Marvel's done this before. I don't know if you, you've ever seen the version of Endgame, uh, the scene that was cut from Endgame after Tony Stark died, where there's this almost minute-long scene where you, you look across the battlefield and you see all of your Marvel favorites who are now realizing that Iron Man is dead, and each of them then kneels. And it, it's wonderfully moving, but evidently, when they ran it in front of an actual audience, it was like, okay, we just went from sad to somehow this is not only too sad, but at the same time, it's just sort of like to then go from this to the the funeral at the cabin by the right, lake. Yeah. We only need to honor the man once. That's it exactly. So it was like, no, no, no. I know we shot this, and I know we took a whole lot of people spend time kneeling on our set with a lot of green screen in, in Atlanta. But it's like, no, we, we don't need to see them hit them all mourn him twice. Right. You know, so this goes. On the other hand, we are now far enough along with Multiverse of Madness in theaters that both Disney's marketing department and the, the folks at Marvel decided just last week, it's like, okay, everybody's seen it. We're not spoiling anything. We can now officially release our first official photo of the Illuminati. Did you catch any of the press stuff for Jurassic World Dominion? No, but after watching Apple's uh, prehistoric dinosaur series, I want uh, Jurassic World Dominion to be narrated by Sir Richard Attenborough. That looked amazing, by the way. The animation for that just looked kind of stunning. You know what I told my wife? Because it's made by the uh, people who did the Planet Earth series, right? And uh, I said, this is all footage, probably. Because they filmed like, you know, 900 million hours of footage to get a glimpse of one rare, like, mountain lion, right? Mm. Like, this is all the footage that they got that didn't involve an animal. Like they looked and they looked and they did these really cool helicopter and drone shots and they got nothing. And they went, what do you want to do with it, Ted? I don't know, man. And then the technology came along and they went, ooh, dinosaurs. Hey, where's that footage where you didn't find anything? We've got a use for it. And then they uh, just take a, here's a forest in Canada somewhere where nothing showed up on the day that we were filming. Here is now a T-Rex. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. right. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, that that's a great insight on your part. But more to the point, I mean, it, that's what I I thought was fascinating. That level of photography married to crazy effects mm -hmm. work. I mean, I, just that scene alone of the T Rex swimming. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. No, oh, that's it exactly. You know, it's just sort of. If I, you notice, you all know. the dinosaurs now have like fur or feathers. The ones that don't fly have feathers. The ones that fly have mm. fur. I don't know where uh, Darwin got this one mixed up, but it was weird to watch that one play out. And I was like, okay, I get it. The ostrich is the remnants of the stupid ones that don't fly. But uh, how come we, we ain't got fur birds in the sky? <laughs> oh, God. It's, it, this reminds me of my favorite Robin Williams thing about the platypus. You know, the, 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 
There we go, the platypus. (laughs) What are you going to do? I'm God. So, well, anyway, uh, getting back to Jurassic World Dominion, DeWanda Weiss, who plays a significant role in this, this continuation of the Jurassic World trilogy, she talked about how... She was supposed to play Maria Rambeau in in the original Captain Marvel. And she got cast and then went to Spike Lee because she was at that that time starring in the the series version of She's Gotta Have It for Netflix. And Lee wouldn't release her. Wouldn't let her go make the Marvel movie. She goes on to say, well, look, I always correct people. I chose not to leave. I would never make that choice for myself. It sounds ridiculous. You signed a contract for a TV show, and it's in first position, and and that's the responsible position. Mm -hmm. And more to the point, I don't want to get sued by Spike or or Netflix. So at the same time, it was very disappointing and and very difficult. On the other hand, she's now in a big franchise film, and I guess there is, in fact, talk of that on the other side of this, there will be yet another... Jurassic trilogy, though, given what you were just talking about, or Sir David Attenborough, you know, it's like, how do you top swimming T-Rexes? By the way, uh, as we are talking about movie news, Madam Webb continues to cast up. Isabella Merced, who uh, actually played the title character in Dora and the Lost City of Gold, has been cast in the Sony Pictures production. She's joining Dakota Johnson. In an unknown role, they're being a little close to the vest on that. By the way, uh, again, we were talking social media a little while back. Did you see this past week that Morbius 2 actually... (laughs) Okay, so the reason for it, though, is what's funny, Mm -hmm. is because everyone's been posting like this shot of of Morbius where he says the words, it's Morbin time. Like, it's clobbering time from Ben Grimm and the thing and all that. And... So, but the thing is, that's not actually in the movie. So people mm-hmm. go expecting to see that, and, and it's not in the movie. But anyway, people are joking about how it's the greatest movie ever. They're totally trolling it by calling it the greatest movie ever. And so Morbius ended up trending for like a day or two. And on the third day, it was people saying, mm-hmm. guys, please stop, because Sony doesn't <laughs> understand that we are joking, and they could actually think that they need to make a Morbius too, and then you're all to blame for it. So quit making Morbius trend. Otherwise, someone will think that this piece of is watchable. (laughs) And then everyone's like, oh, maybe we should stop talking about Morbius. Be careful what you wish for, or more importantly, what you joke about. On the other hand, there was some interesting news this week in regard to Hawkeye. If you go over to the Disney Studios award page, Hawkeye is now listed as being considered for an outstanding comedy series at the 2022 Emmy Awards. And it's a pivot away from its previous placement for outstanding limited or anthology series. Some people are suggesting Disney did this because they want the category free and clear for Moon Knight, which they're they're kind of hoping will do well in the outstanding limited uh, or anthology series. But at the same time, Aaron, didn't we talk about the day before the last episode of Moon Knight aired? They changed the way they described it from series finale to season finale, which suggests that there's another season of Moon Knight coming. Well, there's got to be something else of Moon Knight coming because they can't just leave us with one and done. I certainly hope not. But they're doing the same thing. Suggestion with Thor, or excuse me, uh, Hawkeye, that you change it to comedy series, not limited series. 
And comedy series for me is kind of a stretch for Hawkeye. Mm. I mean, it was funny. Yeah. But if I were describing that, I would, I mean, Haley Steinfeld was wonderful and was funny, but there was a really kind of a melancholy feel to that show. So I, I don't know if, you know, oh yeah, a comedy, you know, laugh right. Yeah, I don't remember the, the odd couple having many car explosions in it or that many brawls with uh, Russians in uh, track suits or anything like that. So, you know, it's got, it had many different elements of many different things. Part of me believes that in either instance, really doesn't matter which one you look at, that they don't know how Hawkeye was going to do because Hawkeye hadn't had a movie by himself before. They didn't know how Moon Knight was going to do because Moon Knight was unknown to the MCU viewing crowd thus far. So they can Mm -hmm. safely put it out and go, this is a one-time deal, folks. We're only going to do one of these. And then they Mm -hmm. sit back and look at the results and go, "Uh, can we get an award in this category? No? All right, well, the... Results are in where people liked it. We're now going to move it to a, a second season, which now qualifies us for a different category of award as well. And it's a 2-4 purpose of why we're making this change. But really, they don't know what, what to, they're going to get out of either investment until they start getting numbers back. And only then, if they see that it's a, a raging success, then, of course, they're going to go, well, obviously, we need more of this because they're looking mm-hmm. to populate Disney Plus with content and they want it to be good content. They do, they do. But I think we were talking just last week about there's a lot of folks who are looking at the, the teaser trailer and now the the trailer trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. And it's like, what kind of movie is this? Is this a, an MCU film? Is this a comedy? Is this a romantic comedy? Especially with the return of Natalie Portman's character, which, by the way, uh, Taika Waititi was out there talking about how much he enjoys her take on the mighty Thor. They said Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman have entirely different fighting styles and in the case of natalie that comes from the case that as a kid she did ballet and so her battle style for the mighty thor is very much influenced by dance whereas chris hemsworth it's raw strength so to watch the two of them side by side fighting i want to see her on her tippy toes doing a swan lake routine while in a fight now we have to wait a few weeks yet and again july 8th i want to say and speaking of waiting, folks, uh, we can hang in there just a moment or two. When we get back, I get to talk about my interaction with James Gunn. We are now officially one week out from the release of Ms. Marvel on Disney+. And you came across a very cool Ms. Marvel action figure, right? Yeah, the Marvel Legends series by Hasbro has just been really great the last few years, and it just seems to only get better. And so they've unveiled their Kamala Khan Legends figure, and that will come with the torso of the Infinity Ultron from the Marvel What If series. So it'll have the the gemstones in the chest and the figure looks really good. The only question I have is they've got her with two sets of hands and one set are punching hands and one set are really, 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 really similar to punching hands where they're almost closed in a complete fist, but not quite a complete fist. And I know that she in the comics had more of a flexi stretchy ability. 
And then here in the MCU, the visual cinematic universe, they're going to try and align her more visually with Captain Marvel's powers, which, you know, makes sense in overall with that tweak. But you don't really see that in the toy. There's no glowy hands. There's no big hands. There's just closed hands or almost closed hands. And so I don't know if they made a last minute change or what the decision was for that on the character. But beyond that, the sculpt, the face, the, the costume, all that looks really nice. You wanted to also share what one listener had uh, it reached out, uh, had a, a, a suggestion for a cocktail. Well, you know, our listeners have discovered that if you want me to read a message, send it in a cocktail recipe and I'll read it. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks to at Eric XOXP. He sent this. He said he was very excited for She-Hulk and decided that he would create his very own cocktail to celebrate the upcoming show. And uh, so this will make two, so you can share with the spouse. But uh, two point five ounces of peach nectar, four ounces white cranberry juice, one point five ounces blue curacao, and three ounces of vodka. Throw it in your your Boston shaker with a couple cubes of ice and shaky, shaky, shaky strain into a glass. You'll have a fantastic green beverage and that vodka will make it go smash. And I have also discovered that uh, you can substitute the vodka with rum and uh, also still go smash by the end of the night. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for sending that along. We've enjoyed it a little too much. All right, and that's a lovely recipe. I, I am, however, going to suggest one would refrain from drinking the She-Hulk prior to writing Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which just officially, finally opened at Epcot this past weekend. Have you seen now when one gets off the coaster that you have a Disney cast member there offering you a very special souvenir? A very special? Is it uh, a partially full vomit bag from the rider before you? What's uh, what's special? What are they giving you? A, a medallion? A badge? No, that's it. You're not wrong that there is now a, a cast member who is positioned there with Something to contain the protein spill. Mm. I believe that's, that's a euphemism that Disney uses. Down under in Australia, they call that a technicolor yawn. This happens a lot, actually. When Disney opened its Mission Space ride at Epcot almost 10 years ago now, they had kind of the same issue. There's nothing outside that tells you what the ride inside is. Right. There's nothing outside that says, hey, there's a roller coaster inside here. And by the way, this coaster spins while it's running through the building. I just got to know, are, are the bags themed? That's the most important question I have Not right yet, now. no. They are actually plain Jane oh. white vomit bags. In fact, compared to the, the vomit bags you find on any airplane, they're really rather plain looking. I think Disney wants to take a pass on the whole, you know, hey, let's theme the vomit bags thing. But the Imagineers have finished building an attraction, and they then hand it off to the operations team at the parks. They're having some issues that traditionally come with the opening of a brand new attraction, that you crack open the thing, and then the public tells you what they need or how they're going to use this ride. And evidently, one of the things that's really tripping them up, well, there's two issues, actually. First of all, you can't get on the ride now unless you've made a reservation in advance. They do, they do the boarding groups. 
And this coupled with a rather elaborate cue where it, it, at one point there's an effect where basically you're transported from Earth to Xandor in a very specific room, but you need to be held in that room to do the lighting effect. And what's happening is because the cue is so elaborate and they're having still haven't quite gotten the hang of pulsing people through, there were people on opening day who were posting pictures of I'm the only person on my train <laughs> because I'm the only one who made it through the queue at this point. And given that this thing was designed to be a people eater, this is a little problematic. Also, frankly, the folks at Ops are like, hey, can we get some flat screens outside that show people that A, there's a coaster inside this building and B, that it spins? Because that's the kind of thing, that sort of image is the uh, the thing that will make somebody say, oh, hell no, I ain't getting on that. Well, get out of line. That's it, exactly. Yeah. That's it, exactly. Yeah. So, But mind you, of course, somebody would need to film that footage, which would then be shown on the flat screen outside to dissuade folks who were queasy of stomach or you know, have had one too many She-Hulks before they wandered <laughs> into Epcot. Uh, but speaking of footage, a couple shows back, I shared a story that I had heard from a very trusted source about the ride footage that had been shot for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. And the story that was explained to me is that one of the reasons that the footage for Cosmic Rewind wasn't quite as good as the footage that had been done for Mission Breakout was that James Gunn didn't actually get to shoot it, that it had actually been shot while... Thor Love and Thunder was in production in Australia, and they had a number of the members of the, the Guardians team there. And this past Friday, Jonathan Edwards tweets to me, hey, Jim, it looks like James Gunn is actually the director of the footage in the ride. And my response to Jonathan was like, well, what's your source on this? The reason I ask is the guy who told me the ride footage for Cosmic Review had been shot while... Thor Love and Thunder was in production in Australia, uh, is pretty well wired into what's going on at WDI. Did, did Gunn himself take credit for the footage? And Jonathan's response to my response was, you know, and he sends me a link, and it says the, the above video list Gunn as director. And sure enough, it's a video produced by the Disney Parks, and it shows James on set with Chris Pratt and uh, Zoe Saldana and David Bautista, and they're there at full makeup. And I watch this footage, and I hop back on Twitter and respond to Jonathan saying, well, that's definitely James Gunn on set with the cast of Guardians shooting stuff at Cosmic Rewind. So I, I'm at least partially wrong here, and we'll own up to this on the very next mud that Aaron and I record. But I point out that there's a, an imaginer called Wyatt Winter who speaks in this video. And he says that we are here on set filming some of the content for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which to me, it's like, okay, you say some, that means that there was some additional content shot for this Epcot attraction at another time. I, I go on to say then, well, look, my source on the shot on set while Thor Love and Thunder was being uh, filmed was pretty confident. So let me make a few phone calls to follow up. But that said, I will still cop to at least being partially wrong on the very next mud. And thank you very much, uh, Jonathan, for reaching out and pointing out my error. At this point, Aaron, James Gunn himself enters the conversation. And he, uh, very politely, it's like, uh, your source is incorrect. I shot everything with the Guardians. Nothing was shot during Love and Thunder. We all shot it during Volume 3. 
You know, there's one way to handle that and only one way. Pictures or it didn't happen. Show me the footage. Show me all of it. Show me all of it. And I want the footage of the Guardians 3 footage, too, because if if you don't have them both at the same time, then it doesn't prove that they happened at the same time. And what you end up there with is a sneak peek of a movie that's not due out for like another year or so. I, I'm afraid I didn't have the intestinal fortitude to go that way. I, I James, I still don't believe you. I think someone else <laughs> did your work on your behalf and you're taking credit for it. Now show me the damn movie or it didn't happen. Okay. There we go. Let's let's see what he responds right. there. But my response to James Gunn it was my apologies then. I'll issue a full retraction with the next Marvelous Disney podcast I record. So sorry for putting this bad info out there. I thought I had a rock solid source on the story. Obviously I was wrong. And James Gunn immediately comes back with this this very gracious acceptance of the apology. It's like, all good. And honestly, Aaron, this is how I want the internet to work. This is one of those rare moments where information is exchanged and the people that you admire are admirable. You know, James was one of these guys who got stomped. By the internet. Remember, he lost the Guardians 3 gig because of stuff that he had tweeted out that back in the day was funny, but, you know, a few years back was suddenly deemed, you know, oh, my God, you know, socially irresponsible. So if anybody has a right to respond strongly to bad info, it would have been James. But the fact that he was classy and he was polite, two things that are very, very short supply in 2022... I'm very happy and more to the point again. Let me say I got it wrong. That was basically your 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 source. They're they're mole hunting is what they're doing, and uh, and I'll tell you another one by the way that mm-hmm. that should have mm-hmm. been a tip off. You uh, told me a secret about the Spider Man movie before the Spider Man movie came out about who was going to be in the Spider Man movie, and you and you mentioned two specific locations, and one was dead on accurate, and one was way bogus off, and it was like ah. So they're giving that's Feige going. All right, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell Jeff this, and this is how it's going to be. And I'm going to tell uh, Teddy a different thing, and then I'm going to tell uh, Leanne a third thing. And then when the information comes back to me, I'll know who's the leak, who's the mole. And uh, you're part of that, Jim. You're part of that. Be careful. It's you're, it's not the words that you have to eat later that's dangerous. It's the words that get the mole executed that are so dangerous. What's so funny about what you just said is I cannot share the names. Well, obviously. But I can tell you that the very scenario you just described was what Steve Jobs told John Lasseter to do mm-hmm. at Walt Disney Imagineering, that they were having issues with information about attractions leaking out, and he just brought him into his office one day and spinned out the exact scenario you just put out there. And Lasseter did exactly what you described. And the very next week, they found out who their mole was. And it was a very senior, very beloved Imagineer who then got his wrist slapped. And more to the point, then got, you know, his, you know, his, his creative duties at the company severely reduced. While we're apologizing to uh, Mr. James Gunn, we're also going to throw a heartfelt apology out to little Vinny, who lost his job today in Walt Disney Imagineering for giving us the wrong information. We're sorry that you lost your job, little Vinny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, while we're talking about Guardians, uh, also worth noting, production of Volume 3 began in November of last year, uh, wrapped first week of May, 
But just today, we got news that Daniela Melchior, who played Ratcatcher in uh, Suicide Squad, also directed by James Gunn, will now be playing a small role in Volume 3. Now, mind you, this is not the unannounced actor that James mentioned in his Wrapping Up Production tweet. Also, not Moondragon, which was a character that was uh, rumored to be in Volume 3, so... Mm. Just want to leave that hanging out there if anybody wants to volunteer some info, which if I get wrong, I will apologize for. Okay, Aaron, I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I, again, can you tell folks how they can find you on social media? Absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. You can find out all sorts of shocking and scandalous details about myself. Like the fact, not many people know this, little secret time. Shh, don't tell. Mm-hmm. I have been pronouncing the word color with the British spelling that includes the letter U. Shh, shh, shh. shh. Okay. Don't tell people. My dad still won't look me in the eyes after he found out about that. <laughs> okay. For us on social media, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Uh, I, I just want to give you a heads up. June 10th through the 12th, I'm going to be among the folks taking part in Dayton Disneyana. This is an event that's being held to benefit Pirate Packs, which is this great organization that helps out the kids of the West Carlton School District who are facing food challenges. These are kids who do school lunch and the breakfast program, but struggle during the weekends and, and also the summer months. So the, these are uh, the Pirate Packs folks really stepped up. They're a wonderful organization. I can't do enough of them. So they're holding an event. The, the Dayton Disneyana Group is holding an event at the Hope Hotel and the Richard C. Holbrook Conference Center in Dayton, Ohio, again on, on June 10th and the 12th. I'll be doing some talks there. I'll also be emceeing a, a number of chats with uh, folks like Tom Nabby, the original Tom Sawyer for Disneyland Park. Likewise, one of the folks actually got Walt Disney World up out of ground. So if you want to hear some amazing stories, please come out to the Hope Hotel. Beyond that, if you folks could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend Marvelous Disney, that would be very helpful. Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you want to subscribe to the show, uh, head over to Bandcamp. That would be helpful as well. And I guess that will do it for now. So I'm going to go check the liquor cabinet and see if we have the makings of a, a, a She-Hulk. I'm so, going to assemble all the freaking Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>